Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. G'day, Kate Campbell. Welcome to this episode. It's good to be back, Owen, for our very final Starter Pack episode. It is indeed. Today, we're talking about getting advice from experts. So we're talking about all of the different experts you'll come across in finance. There are a heap. Yes. I think once upon a time, we thought of it like a zoo and all of the different <laughs> professionals were different types of animals. Mm. I can't remember who got the snake, but I can't I can't imagine that's very endearing on that profession. No. In I don't case, know if we went forward with that no, <laughs> imagery. In any case, the, the financial world can seem like a bit of a zoo when you try and interact with it. Typically what happens is you go to, a, say, accountant, and then they're like, oh, no, you need to see the financial advisor for that. Financial advisor says, oh, no, you need to see the lawyer for that. So in this episode, we're going to break down exactly which expert is for what and then how you can get in touch with them and what the types of questions you can ask them. Yeah, and because many of these um, roles are regulated, there's only so much they can and can't say. And that's yeah. why it's um, good to have a little bit of an overview of all of the different people involved just so you know who you should go to for what issues so you don't waste your own time and you know the right questions to ask. Yeah, that's it. So obviously some of these um, professionals are going to vary in terms of the price that they charge for their services. Um, I think the important thing is as a industry, as a financial profession, um, what we've found is that fees have been really shunned. Like they've been really put in the corner, like you can't charge fees. How can you do that? How can you do this? How can you do that? But if you think about it, if we want finance professionals to be professional we have to be willing to pay a fee so some of these things do have fees involved um the important point that we kind of advocate for is the transparency and the clarity and just being concise with those fees whereas like commissions and those types of things probably are a bit more murky not terrible but murky so we're going to introduce you to some of the costs as well but just be sure that you check with your professional before um before you engage with them basically like what are the fees exactly and how much uh, will you be paying? Yeah, and if you stick around to the end, we've got plenty of free independent resources um, that we're going to share with you as well. So that can help you get started. So stay with us as we go through this episode. Yeah, cool. Okay, let's start with financial counsellors, Kate. So what is a financial counsellor? A financial counsellor is a fantastic resource. I mean, many people may have heard of this originally through Scott Pape and the Barefoot Investor. He's spoken a lot about Mm. financial counsellors recently, but they're a free independent resource. Uh, They're the people, they're well-trained, qualified, that will help you and go into bat for you if you're in debt uh, to anybody really, and they'll help you know your rights. They might help you consolidate your debts, um, negotiate a payment plan, even deal with the bank and their hardship teams. So if you are going through any challenging financial situation um, or trying to get out of a bad situation, calling the National Debt Helpline and then getting matched up with a financial counsellor, they can be a really big support and they're a free independent resource. That's it. They are. So that's the key point there is free. So you can get in touch with a financial counsellor by visiting uh, any of the websites in the show notes, but you can also uh, visit Money Smart where they've got information on this. Yep. Um, there's a bunch of different um, organisations out there that help support this. So um, I think 10% of Scott Pape's book actually went to supporting financial counselling and he is now a financial counsellor himself. Mm. So financial counsellors, as Kate said, free and can go into bat with you. Typically what we saw during the COVID crisis was that they were inundated with calls, but as long as you're patient, as long as you ask the right questions, you can get the support. Um, 
a great, great resource and um, fantastic for things if you're in debt, for example. They can ha- work with you to design strategies mm-hmm. and also to speak to, you know, your utility providers who might be able to also have hardship – well, do have to have hardship plans in place. Yeah, and there's also a small business helpline now and there's financial counsellors that specialise in that area. So if you are a small business and you're struggling financially, there's resources yep. for that. And we've also interviewed a financial counsellor before. Yep. So we'll include that in the show notes so you can learn a little bit more about what they do and know that they're there for you and they're not a scary resource to use. Yep. Uh, and one final one on financial counsellors is you can go to the National Debt Helpline um, if you are in that boat. So that's like a free resource uh, with people who can counsel you there too. Okay, so the second thing that we're talking about is basically what is a financial advisor and how do they help? Like what role do they play? So Kate, what is a financial advisor and how can they help? Yep. So if you're listening to the podcast and you're learning about all the basics of shares and investing in super and you're like, okay, that's good, but how do I actually apply it to my life with all of my various financial background and situation going on? This is where you can talk to a financial advisor um, and they will be able to help you looking at everything to do with your own financial situation. They'll look at your background, where you work, um, all of the different assets and liabilities you have, and they'll go, okay, with all of this information, this is the plan we recommend. And that's usually called a statement of advice. Yep, SOA for sure. Yeah. And so you do have to pay for this. It can cost sort of three to $5,000 to get started. Mm-hmm. Um, the financial advice industry is a lot more transparent than it used to be. Um, a lot of financial advisors have left the industry as well. So it's certainly the people that want to be there are there now. Um, and they can really help you with everything from mapping out your goals, understanding your risk profile, because you not, might not be able to work that out yourself um, because it's very easy to say we're a high risk investor until that's put under pressure. Um, they can help you set up various investment structures. They can say, this is the investment that you should use. And they can just yeah. map it all out for you and just come up with a plan that works and then help you review it on a yearly basis or implement it. Yeah, so this is the thing. A financial advisor will give you one-to-one advice. Yeah. And they have to be licensed in Australia. You can head to um, the ASIC website and check their AFSL. So that's the license that they can operate under Australia. Money Smart also has a list of registered advisors where you can search by name. Uh, the, the key is here that they will give you a comprehensive uh, plan for your finances. So if you're the type of person that gets to the end of this and you're thinking, boy, I could really do with some help here. I don't, I'm yeah. not really interested in listening to Kate and Owen every week and learning about my finances. I'd rather someone else do it for me. That's okay. That's actually an active step and that's a positive step to yeah. take as well. So you can engage a financial advisor. Uh, one of the things that I'd say is that you can get um, what's called scaled advice from a financial planner. That's where you might get like advice on one thing. So a good example of this might be if you go through your super fund website they might engage a financial advisor for you. So there'll be an option there to click a button and speak with a financial planner. Um, And that's where they can actually just give you advice on one thing in your life, which might be super in this case. Mm -hmm. But you can go to them and that won't cost you the full three to 5,000. You'll have to sign a document that says, I am telling you that I only want advice on this one thing because they're legally obliged to take into account your whole picture. Mm -hmm. You just have to sign a document that says, I understand that I'm only getting advice on one thing. Yeah, And so... A financial advisor is great. We do have some questions here, Kate, because it is pretty daunting. Um, like what are the types of things people can put in place um, and the steps and the questions that they can ask to make sure that they're getting a, you know, a good advisor? 
Yeah, I think absolutely a good first step is doing what you're doing right now, which is listening to financial education podcasts, reading financial Mm. education books, because that gives you a starting point that when you talk to this financial advisor, you at least know a little bit about the basics so you can ask them better questions. And so you can really get to know your own situation. And when they give you advice, you can go, oh, I kind of understand a little bit of that. Yeah, Um, That's where our starter pack series that you've been working through has been so important. So the, these these episodes, around 10 episodes is all it takes to get the basics, then you can at least converse in the language. Yeah. And I think some of the questions that you could throw at this financial advisor, often they have a free initial meeting just to see if you're the right fit because it's quite an intimate relationship because you're sort of bearing all of your finances and they're um, going to look at everything and put a strategy. So you want something, someone you're really comfortable with. Um, you could ask them about their qualifications, what previous clients have they worked with? Have they worked with clients like you? Because there are financial advisors that specialize in um, people in defense force or people in the medical industry, and they'll be able to come up with a plan that's a little bit more tailored to your particular industry. They might be a little bit more, have a bit more expertise in those areas. For sure they will. And some of the advisors can't give you advice on everything. So for example, some advisors might be able to give you advice on super, but not self-managed superannuation funds. Or they might be able to give you advice on your investment portfolio, but not tax. Yeah. So it's important to understand what they can and can't do. Because finance is a huge area. And so like going to see a specialist, you want to see a financial advisor that deals with your situation a lot and can deal with whatever your particular area of interest is. Yep. Um, and then even asking them what their approach is towards finance and investing. They might only like to recommend managed funds or shares or things like that. So just sort of understanding how they approach it a little bit more and sort of getting a feel for um, what they generally do, um, asking them about their fees. So they should be able to provide you upfront what you're going to have to pay for this service and what the ongoing fees are. And Mm. you even asking them about, do they have any referral arrangements in place? So the commissions, like those sort of things. Yeah. And all of that should be documented in the statement of advice, the SOA that I've referred to, because the SOA is the like legal document and it sets out all of like your situation that you tell them. It sets out your risk profile as basically what you answered is how they calculate your risk profile. And then it lays out all of the strategies and they're typically like documented, like part six is superannuation, part four is, um, you know, estate planning or something mm. like that. So those are, clear, they should be clearly documented. Yeah. And if they can't explain it, then, yeah. you know, you can probably look elsewhere to be honest. And that's a good thing in that first initial conversation. Can they just explain the basics to you? If you ask them what are ETFs and what are shares and they explain it to you, do you understand mm. that? And does that, are they able to, if you don't understand it the first time, are they able to explain it in a different way? Because you want to be able to understand the plan and then what they're implementing so you feel sort of more in control and confidence. So make sure that they explain things to you in a way that you understand um, and that you're able to just email them or call them if you have Mm. some additional questions. A lot of financial advisors will say, as in the statement of advice, will say this this advice is only valid for 90 days, but then there'll be like an ongoing thing where Mm. the fee that you pay might last for a year. And um, this is important because sometimes and oftentimes the financial advisors do the implementation for you. So what that means is like, let's say they recommend, oh, you should go with Commonwealth Bank for your savings accounts. I don't know, whatever. They can actually go and organize that for you. Um, So sometimes advisors will do that and sometimes they won't. So that's called implementation. Um, But most of the time they will if you you 
you know, speak to them and, and you're upfront about that. Um, and so that's a really good thing. And yeah. if, if, if you've got a 12 month contract in place, you want them to be able to go in and, and make changes for you if, if you approve it. Yeah. And I want, if I was looking for a financial advisor right now, I'd be looking for someone who'd um, make me feel more empowered about my finances, more in control of things and someone that if I work with them, I know I'm going to feel like I'm in a better financial situation yep. and actually going to be in one. So you don't want them to, you want them to help you, but you want to still feel like you're involved in the process. For sure. For sure you do. So that's financial advisors, Kate. People can find them on the Money Smart website. You can go to the um, independent, I think it's called the IFAA, yeah. um, the independent advisors or something. We'll put the link in the show notes. There's that, a few different comparison sites yeah. where people can actually leave reviews now. Yeah, advisor ratings. Yeah, news, yeah, there are so. a bunch, bunch of different ones. So um, there are some things called independent financial advisors. They cannot take commissions and they're, they're very strict on those rules. Um, so you can speak to them. And there are even ethical advisors, advisors mm. that only specialize in ethical banks and ethical investments. Yeah. So there's, Kind of horses for courses there too. So, Kate, the next big one that we should talk about, the next professional is an accountant. So what can an accountant do for a person, say, that a financial advisor doesn't do or that a financial counselor won't do? Like why would you go to an accountant, how much they cost, all that? Yeah, so for most of our listeners, I'd imagine the main reason you'd see an accountant now is for your tax return. Yep. each year and you might see them for a bit of advice um, like a consultation leading up to the end of the financial year to say how can I maximize my tax return what should I mm. how should I structure some things um, but the main thing would be probably going to see a an accountant to do your tax return which you can do yourself as we mentioned in our tax episode but it does help having someone there that's an expert that knows how everything works and I mean that could cost anywhere from like two to five hundred dollars for a sort of individual tax return, depending on how many bits you've got going on in there. Yeah. So if it's a very simple, just your day job, maybe you have a one or two ETF investments and a couple of charitable deductions, that would be pretty straightforward for an accountant. But if you have trusts and managed funds and you've got a side hustle and all sorts of things going on, then that will cost a little bit more because it does take mm. more time. And this is where an accountant is actually really powerful is in small business. Mm. So if you have a business or you're thinking about starting a business or if your side hustle is about to become serious, seek the advice of an accountant because they will help you set up the structure correctly. So should you, for example, have an invoicing system like Xero? What should the invoicing system say? Do you need to employ people? Do you need to withhold tax? Do you need to charge for GST? How does that work? These are the types of questions that you can go to your yeah. accountant armed with. So that's stepping away from the individual advice that you might get just for taxes and that type of stuff and into more the, the business. And as you said, there are things like trusts, companies, et cetera. People use those to invest. Yeah. You know, if people are setting up a, a, a company together, let's say you and I wanted to invest together, we could open a brokerage account or we could start a company where you're a director and I'm a director, 50% mm-hmm. share, and you can do that. An accountant will help you set them up. Yeah. And again, like financial advisors, accountants specialize in different things. So there yep. might be a, an accountant that specializes in, in helping small business owners. Yep. Um, and so just just find someone that works for you. I mean, there's a lot of local organizations, but I guess with Zoom nowadays, I mean, my accountant, I just send him everything in a Google Drive. And yeah. there, there we go. It's, it magically happens over the internet. We don't even have to have a, a meeting. But um, if you want to meet someone face-to-face, um, looking in your local area for mm. reviews online and asking for recommendations helps as well. Yep. I would say um, go back and refer to our tax starter pack episode where we talked about all the different taxes people pay in Australia and what investors pay. And it's also relevant for people that are running a small business. So that's the starter pack 
episode on tax in Australia. Um, so that was recorded by Kate and I recently, and it takes you through all of the things from a personal income tax perspective, but then also there's a little bit of a foray into business there. I would say that a basic tax return doesn't cost you that much money, um, you know, maybe a couple hundred bucks. But if you get complicated, you have trust like I do, a company mm. like I do, and Kate does as well, then all of a sudden you start to add these things up and they, it can become you know a couple of thousand dollars a year. So that's where having a good accountant on your side keeps you out of trouble and keeps the fees down longer term. Um, Kate, so that's wrapping up accountants. Let's yes. move on to the next one. The next one that we want to cover, the next professional that's important to know is a lawyer. So Kate, I know you know a bit about law because you're studying to be a lawyer yourself. Why would someone go to see a, a lawyer in Australia? And we're talking from like the personal finance investing angles. Why would someone go to a lawyer and what type of questions would they ask? Yeah, I think the main reason most of our listeners will be going to see a lawyer is because they want to get an estate plan. And that's probably, you'll think about that as a will, but maybe you want to have powers of attorney. You want to work out who's going to look after your children. You want a financial, like, living power of attorney. I can't remember exactly what they're called, but um, so just working out where your assets are going to go after you die, because you're building all of this wealth over the next sort of like 80 years, yep. where is it going to go? Um, and can you leave it to the people you want to leave it to? So if, speaking to a lawyer, if you want to get a proper estate plan put together, whether it's a will or all the documents. Yeah, And um, for your super, you can chat to them about yeah, super as you well. You can ask them about how you should set up your binding or non-binding death nomination. Um, also, I mean, an issue that affects a lot of people is getting divorced or ending a de facto relationship. There's a lot of mm. assets, there's super, there's a lot of things that have to be split and that's a good time to speak to a lawyer as well. Um, and we've got some episodes coming up soon about that. So stay tuned. Yep. Um, setting up investment trusts or companies, you may need to deal with a lawyer depending on what documents you need. And also like property and those types of things. So yeah. If someone owns a property or an investment property or you live with someone, right? Like if mm. someone's going to move in with you, sometimes you have to be mindful that, hey, I need to protect myself before something goes wrong, right? So maybe even just understanding yeah. what could go wrong is a really valuable step in seeing a, a lawyer for that reason. Yeah, even um, a lot of lawyers handle conveyancing. There are like people that just specialize in conveyancing, but um, lawyers deal with that if you're buying a property, um, yeah, so that means that they, they yeah. lawyers can handle the transfer of um, a property from someone else to you. Um, and typically in a property transaction, there are two conveyances. There's one on the buyer side and one on the seller side. So you need to find a conveyancer. Sometimes a lawyer can help with that. They're not all conveyances, let's be mm -hmm. honest, but a lot of the times they are. Yeah, off the plan property disputes, which is uh, yep. occurring more and more often. Um, and even just thinking about it, all of those documents you read when we refer about mm. to product disclosure statements and all the things, they're all getting written by lawyers. So yep. um, sometimes you will need to deal with them. Um, maybe you've inherited some money. Suddenly you're dealing with lawyers. You're dealing with the company's lawyers because you're having to show them all the documents to sort that out after someone passes away. So there's a lot of involvement with lawyers in the financial services industry, even though we don't sort of like typically put them in that bracket. Yeah. There is. And, um, you know, lawyers can be expensive, but at the same time, they play a pivotal role and having a good lawyer can protect you um, against a lot of issues that can come mm. up later in life, even if you don't expect it. And I think the big one is in relationships or in business partnerships. Yeah. Um, you would want to seek the advice of a lawyer. I know I did when I started the business. I had to seek a lawyer. It was expensive. It was really scary at the time paying so much money, but it was it was definitely worth it. So one of the, the big professionals that 
people interact with is a mortgage broker. When you buy a house, I think we've got in our notes here that 60% of loans in Australia are originated through a mortgage broker, meaning that that's where they come from, rather than going direct to a bank and getting a loan. You can do that if you want. Like if you're confident, you can go to a bank and you can say, you know, I want to get a loan. Mm. Um, how can I apply? Will you give me money, etc.? But a mortgage broker can do that too, right? Yeah, and they're going to help you compare all the options. They'll look at your scenario, especially if you're not... Um, in a sort of a nine to five full-time role. Sometimes mm. that can be a little bit more complicated if you have your own business, um, maybe you're only working part-time. You might actually need to talk to a mortgage broker about what the right arrangement is for you. If you want to set up different accounts, they'll do the full comparison and look at what's the best option for you and they'll help you with the application process and often talk you through the process of buying a home. I know a lot of mortgage brokers will deal with first-home buyers like months in advance, so yep. they can actually help you figure out how much you need to save for the deposit and all of that sort of coaching throughout the relationship. Yeah. I used to be quite anti-mortgage brokers because of the commissions that they receive. Um, Because when you see a mortgage broker, unlike say an accountant or a financial advisor where you pay upfront typically these days, um, or at least you know what the fixed fee is with a mortgage broker, they typically, not always, but they typically get paid based on the the size of the the loan that you take and uh, also which bank they get the loan through. So the bank actually pays them. And um, that can create, in my opinion, a disincentive. So an incentive that goes against you um, in the sense that they're incentivized to get a bigger loan so they can get a bigger commission, which might not be, always be in your best interest. However, I've since turned um, a leaf on this and I think that mortgage brokers, a good mortgage broker is worth their weight in gold. And the, the, some of the key things that you want to know is basically like how many banks do you deal with? Do you have experience with my situation? And mm. I would say the big one is do not be afraid to shop around. Yeah. Please, please, please. I still think that the property side of in finance is a bit of a wild west compared to the other side, which is like the stock market and um, the other side. And people think it's kind of the reverse, but I think that's true in terms of professionals. Mm. And so shop around with your mortgage broker. Um, see what your friends recommend. Um, we've got a property course, Property 101 course with Amy Lenardi and Chris Bates on the RASC education site, completely free. You can go there. Um, just Google property course RASC education and it'll come up and it's a free course that explains all of the ins and outs of mortgage brokers. Um, and I guess the thing is to acknowledge here, Kate, is that a mortgage broker can give like one-on-one advice. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's important because typically um, when you see some professionals, they don't give that. Like we don't give one-on-one advice to people. But a mortgage broker can actually sit down with you and go through all of your bank statements and do it, as Kate said, months in advance mm. because they'll help you groom your finances so you can get a better loan. Yeah, make yeah. your uh, your bank account look a little bit better. They'll for polish the, it up for you and make it look <laughs> The pretty. application. Yeah. Um, and there's just, we won't dive in too deeply, but there's a couple of other people you might deal with in the property buying process, which are buyer's agents. So yep. if you do that property course, Owen mentioned, Amy Lenardi is a buyer's agent. And so you can learn a bit about what they do, but essentially as an individual, you can go and um, appoint a buyer's agent. You do have to pay for this yep. and they will help you source a property. They'll help you with the, the process of buying it. They can do Bidding inspections. On it. They can go to the auction for you yep. um, and do all of that. So that if you're time poor or you're new to the process or there's something really specific you're looking for, even if you're an interstate buyer, buyer's agents can be a helpful tool there. Yep, for sure. So a buyer's agent works for you as the buyer. A real estate agent works for the seller. So when you rock up and the house is looking nice and there's someone there in a suit to greet you to say, oh, welcome. And here's the pamphlet and they walk you around and they explain 
all the amazing things about a house and they get you really excited, just remember that person is working for the seller. <laughs> so if you're a seller of a house known as a vendor, you want a great real estate agent. If you're a buyer, you want a great buyer's agent, otherwise known as a buyer's advocate. Yes. So those are the kind of the three property experts. We've got mortgage broker, um, buyer's agent, and real estate agent. Yeah. There are some other things, Kate, that we should mention in this podcast series. And um, it's basically how do people learn more from experts um, without having to pay someone. Like if you want to learn more about any of these individual professions or just discover more about finance in general, how can they do that? Yeah, so I think the place we always recommend people starting is the Money Smart website that's mm-hmm. um, run by the government. Um, it's as independent as you can get, really. Sure. Um, I just recommend if you're new to finance, just read through the whole website. The, the pages are really simple. They explain things well. There's examples. And that will just give you a really good foundation of the basics of the industry. And then you can actually do your research and do your Google deep dives with a little bit of foundational knowledge. Yep. I think that's that's great. So we've got here, we've got Money Smart. We've got the Super Guru to learn more about um, superannuation. Super yeah, I find that that's a really good website. There's a lot of really interesting articles and content there. Yep, we've got the ATO My Super Comparison Tool, which we spoke about in our Super Get mm. Star- uh, Starter Pack, which basically allows people to compare and actually change super funds. Yep. Um, legal Aid, which is really important too, yeah, right? Yeah, so each state has its own Legal Aid website. You can just Google Legal Aid Victoria or whichever state you're in, and that will have a lot of information and guides on divorce and um, maybe you're having a rental dispute with your landlord. Domestic violence, anything yeah, like that. There's a yeah. lot of resources there, quick guides, and then you can actually get free legal assistance as well if you fit within certain criteria. So that's a good place to start. There's a lot of self-education mm. you can do on those websites. Yep. And final shout out goes to our website, Rask Education, which will help you um, understand everything there is to know about all different types of finance, uh, free courses, all available on the website. So we'll put links in the show notes. That's education.rask.com.au. Um, and you can learn more about property. You can learn more about financial advice, whatever your, whatever your flavor, uh, you'll find it there. Kate, as we always do, I think it's important to end this episode with a takeaway. What would be the takeaway from this finding experts episode B. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway is there are a lot of experts out there. There's a lot of people that can help you with all manner of things to do with your financial situation. So just doing your research, not being afraid to compare a few different ones, have a few intro calls with different professionals. Um, just so make your make sure you're as comfortable as possible. Um, even just doing some cursory research on that topic before you go means you can ask better questions and maximize your time with them Um, and just making sure if they are in a um, part of the industry that requires you to be registered like a financial advisor they do have the appropriate registrations and qualifications and we'll include the um the database in the show notes so you can find that Um, and i think that that brings our starter pack series to an end on it does now with experts um and the experts that you know in your hand, you can go and find out all you need to know about individual, you know, one-on-one advice. But we, Kate, we still keep going on, don't we, from here. This Starter Pack <laughs> series, this doesn't end for us. We keep going every every week. We, yeah. we bring out new episodes and we uh, take listener requests in our Facebook community and we discover um, all new topics together. So mm, Every Monday and Friday. Every Monday moment. and yeah. Friday, yeah. So you can, if you want to, you can... Uh, keep listening to the series. You can jump into the Facebook group. You can take one of our courses. We've discussed we've discussed every one of these topics that you've gone through in the Starter Pack series uh, in more detail yeah. and with experts. And we continually do that as things evolve. So, um, yeah, I think congratulations. 
getting through yeah, the starter we made pack. It. Yeah. Congratulations on everyone listening. Yeah. Um, it's a big step. And if you're new to the community, welcome. It's yeah. exciting to have you here. And if you're an OG, if you're one of the originals <laughs> who started with us three years ago, um, thank you for making the podcast yeah. what it is today. And thank and you thanks for supporting for sharing us. it. We've had quite a few listeners write in and say, sure, this is uh, some of the foundations. Like I already know this, um, but I've yeah. sent it to a lot of friends and family because I just wanted to explain the basics to them. So yep. thank you to everyone who's done that and looking forward to seeing you in the Facebook community. Yes, we are indeed. Kate, as always, thanks for joining me on this episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, where our mission is to improve the financial futures of all Australians. If you'd like to learn more, create a free account at rusk.com.au forward slash account to download free episode workbooks, bonus resources, and take our amazing free personal finance courses. You can also join our online community by following the link in the description. If you enjoyed the show, what we'd love is for you to leave us a snappy review on iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rask Australia. Kate and I are also on both of those channels. Finally, if you have any feedback, suggestions for episodes or guests to come on the show, or you just have a question for us, shoot us an email at podcast at rask.com.au.